explain free Britney to me. Explain what that is. How about this? From a childhood star turned financial advisor. Jason Minor, as a childhood actor and singer, was the absolute real deal. We're talking about national commercials, Broadway, and then the Mickey Mouse Club at Disney, as in Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera, and we all know Britney Spears. So today, Jason explains to us what that childhood family money mess is all about when it comes to Britney Spears and how super early wealth should be handled. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Jason Miner joins us on the Retire Sooner podcast. Jason, thanks for being here, man. Hey, it's my pleasure, Wes. I appreciate the opportunity. And you are uh, coming to us, well, now it's live from, <laughs> obviously we were listening to the podcast on live, but you're coming to us live from, I want to say Nashville, right? Yeah, actually just south of Nashville uh, in Franklin, but basically Nashville. The, there's a couple of reasons I, want, I wanted to have Jason on. First of all, Jason is in, in wealth management and he's a financial advisor and he is someone that knows money and he is a chartered retirement planning counselor, et cetera. And he's been doing this for, let's call it almost two decades, but his background is crazy, really. It's kind of a crazy background that I've always wanted to know about, but it's so niche. It's so, there's so few people and it's, I'm not talking about niches in pro golfer. Okay, I'm not talking about like, hey, how how long is it going to be pro golf? Dad, I want to be a pro golfer. Well, that's like a you know, you're you're that's a one in a million. What Jason has done is like one out of ten million, which is essentially lived the life of a child star, <laughs> a child actor, a child musician. It was part of the Mickey Mouse Club. Who's part of the Mickey Mouse Club? I don't know. Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake. Like that's about it. And we are all so fascinated in this world of there's a, you know, well, every year or two, there's one or two big child stars. And granted, you're, you may be, maybe you're not Michael J. Fox, but, but, <laughs> but you still, you are still part of a very, very sliver of a niche in an industry that is entertainment where there's a lot of money flying around and then you see younger people that were in entertainment have money difficulties. So you've seen kind of the dark side of, of probably all of this. And I just think it's a, an amazingly fascinating topic. So I wanted to have you on the show to talk about that among yeah. other things. So let's start there. Uh, you came up as uh, you had success as a, I guess in entertainment mm -hmm. and music as a kid. When did you get started? So I started really doing it, getting quote unquote paid as an eight year old. Um, so now I'm 44. Uh, so quite some time I did local. I mean, you got to think back in the mid eighties, how things were done were completely different than today, but I grew up in the DC area. So I did a lot of 
what they call print work when you get your Sunday paper, Saturday, you know, advertisements for what was Hex, which is now Macy's because they were located there in the D.C. area. Then I started doing commercials, got super lucky to do a lot of national commercials, one for Kenner Toys, which is now Mattel, did all of their Ghostbuster products back in the 80s, did Jello Pudding Pop commercials back with, you know, some guy named Bill Cosby, who unfortunately is no longer who he was when we grew up in the 80s. Yeah. Which turned into just a lot of different things. I did a lot of dinner theater back then in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, so I did different shows from Mame to Oliver to The King and I to Sound of Music. That turned into getting a, a manager in the D.C. area, two agents in New York. I'd go to New York quite a bit for those commercials. I did two national tours. Um, so you're in the Atlanta area, correct? Correct. Okay, so two of the yes. national tours I did came to the Fox Theater, which is a pretty awesome theater there in Atlanta. Oh, it's amazing. Um, one of those was The Sound of Music with Debbie Boone. That went to Japan for six weeks when I was in the fifth grade. So be a toe-headed, blonde-headed kid, you know, going to J Tokyo and any of the surrounding villages back in 1988, I stuck out like a sore thumb in, in Japan. They were like, they thought you were like a spirit from the, from the cosmic. Right. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? I, the only thing that would have made me more weird is to be over six foot tall. And I am definitely not even remotely close to that. So that was cool. Came back, did a few different shows did a show in Connecticut where they actually created the show Annie in the late 70s, early 80s, before it went to Broadway. That show was called The Little Rascals, which then got me a show without really an audition, which was unheard of, to do Teddy and Alice, which was short-lived on Broadway about Theodore Roosevelt. But then again, the next thing that kind of came to fruition after that, I did Gypsy on Broadway. And from there, Wes, uh, is kind of where things really changed. All those other things were bit pieces. Let's call it more of like contract work when you do those type of so things. So you were in school and you were able to just kind of do this in your in your free time and your part time. So when you do the shows, when they're during the school year, the ones that were on the, on the road, they have to buy union law. So equity union is for theater and then Free and Actors Guild SAG, which most people hear about the SAG Awards. Those are all for television. So yeah, you're doing school We'll call it more like like your homeschool, pretty much. You're tutored, uh, you're going at your own pace, those type of things. But when I did Gypsy, uh, had an opportunity that Matt Casella was the casting director for almost all of the super famous people on the Mickey Mouse Club. I call them the Sexy Six or the Fabulous Five. You named a few: Brittany, Justin, and then there's Christina Aguilera. JC from NSYNC is also on there. Uh, and then for all the ladies out there who, you know, may remember this guy named Ryan Gosling, you know, he was there. Now, most of those came after I left, but the same guy kind of, you know, hired us all. Hmm. So that's kind of the short of that part of my career as a kid. Went to school, moved here to Nashville eventually to do music. And that's kind of where we eventually get to where I am today. Once the music kind of you know, does what music does. And you kind of, you kind of realize where you are and where you may or may not go and the luck of how it all works or, you know, whatever it comes out to. And that's kind of where I am today. Okay. So let's talk about, so you get thrown into all this and you start out little by little and it becomes a big time thing. And then mm. you in particular, but also just child stars 
how much how much right. money gets thrown at these kids you early on when so back then it was a little bit different when you were on cable television which is what the mickey mouse club was on in the disney channel um your pay was significantly different than if you were on i had friends on nbc and things like that during prime time so what we consider prime time at least in the central time zone is seven to seven to ten o'clock at night whereas on the east coast you're eight to eleven that pay back then and i'll be I'm, I'm totally open with anybody on this. At that time, minimum wage. So listen to what I'm saying. It's totally different. For a principal actor, meaning you were a lead part pretty much on a sitcom every episode uh, for 26 episodes, more than likely you were making twenty to 25000 a week in 1989, 90, 91, 92. It's significantly more than that, obviously, these days. And we all kind of know the old school or maybe a few, you know, not into pop culture. You know, the big deal was when the friend when Friends was going to get canceled in the late 90s because they couldn't come up with a contract. Each of those people were paid one million dollars an yeah. episode. Incredible. You know, they were adults at that point. But your point, your question is, you know, what is it? Theater was different, much less. But television, even for us, was quite significant when you think most of my buddies at 14 and 15 were cutting grass, <laughs> cutting grass, shoveling rocks for landscape companies or, you know, whatever they needed to do. It's a significant amount of money at that time in your life. You're talking about Disney was paying the the twenty twenty five k a a week, or is that the, the is that the NBC people on on sitcoms? Yeah, so that's CBS, Fox, ABC. That's what the going rate was then. Disney was about I think we were more around like five thousand. So not a week. as much. Okay, not as much because it wasn't quote yeah, prime not, time. Yeah, the cable contracts were a lot more. Uh, a lot more restrictive back then. And of course, most of those were, you know, Disney then was replaying Disney movies and, and cartoons and stuff and HBO, Cinemax. And I guess those were the big two in the late 90s or, you know, early 90s. They're just redoing movies. They weren't making really their own original content like they do. So a lot of those things have changed. So when when you're in your stage, when you're you're a teenager or preteen, and you're making five grand a week, 10 grand a week, and your buddies are making 20 grand a week. What happens typically? Is it mostly good parents that are good stewards and help? Or is it mostly the other way around? I would say it's probably 50-50, unfortunately, Wes. I saw it both ways. I was fortunate with the Disney Channel or with Disney. You know, we all moved to Florida. It wasn't done out in California where there's a ton of ton to do. We were part of the new opening of what was Hollywood Studios or MGM Studios back then, excuse me. So all parents moved for the most part. Um, and so they all lived there. Whereas you had friends out in California where they'd go with one parent living out there with them. I had a guardian for a while. By SAG rules, so Screen Actors Guild rules, and it was made up way back after The Little Rascals was done because parents were spending all the kids' mm -hmm. money. You have to put 33% of your income after taxes into a trust and and it's just you have to it's mandated by sag by sag for that reason so that it would only wow. and you can touch it when you're 18 now truth be told you can change the trusts you know if your parent is the trustee of the trust 
they could change the trust. Uh, and I've talked to people about this too. If they are blessed to be in something that lasts longer, I think if anybody watches like Young Sheldon, for example, on what's at CBS, I mean, those kids are probably crushing it. I would change the trust differently you know, if it was one of my kids to make that stretch out a little bit different, but really like any basic trust at 18, whatever money you make or have made is automatically yours. As soon as you become, you know, per government guidelines, an adult and can have your own bank account. Was your experience, I mean, when you're 14, you have no, I mean, no idea, right? About a lot, all this money, right? It's no idea. Right. And then I think it makes it even harder as you get into new transition into, let's say, going into a, a, let's say, the financial business as an example. Maybe, maybe not. Right. But what was your experience like? Did you Were you able to save a bunch or did your parents spend a bunch? Um, no. So I was able to save a bunch. I mean, I kind of lived, once I did the Mickey Mouse Club, I lived quite a bit where I paid my own bills, even as a 13, 14, 15-year-old. My dad um, was started in the, he did in life insurance for a long time, or group health insurance. And then went into the mortgage business. So I think the one good thing for me is my dad kind of dripped on me a little bit. You know, I mean, a lot of time in airplanes, man, a lot of time in cars or trains to go to New York, just kind of dripped on me to be like, you know, set yourself up. Let's do something different. So the the trust was put into a trust that I was going to touch at 18 to help pay for school if I didn't get scholarships or anything like that help, you know, move forward in life. But my mom and dad, for me, never lived well beyond their means, Mm -hmm. uh, quite honestly, Wes. And and we weren't struggling, I'll be honest with you Mm -hmm. either. So they kind of instilled in me pretty early on. And part of the reason why my dad made me like open a bank account, even though it had his name on it and pay the bill, like literally pay the rent on the apartment pay the gas bill, the electric bill, the phone bill was to get an idea of this is what life is when you're making like real money, not just enough money to hang out with your buddies, you know, on the weekend. Right. So that's the, that's the complexity of this. Now, let me ask you, let's say more of a, so you're, you got, you had a real education and it sounds like your parents were responsible about this. Mm -hmm. What's the other side of the spectrum? Well, it's funny you say that. So I did a reunion uh, with the Mickey Mouse Club two years ago and then went back out last, well, February of 2020 and talked with one of the guys that works with an attorney who is with me. He and I are the same age with kids for SAG. And he said, man, you really need to kind of figure out a way to get in front of more of these people. He goes, because if if I would have known at 18, when they just plumped a lump sum of cash basically in my checking account, what I know now I would be living high on the hog. And I said, Mm -hmm. "Ah, you're right. Now, he wasn't so frivolous that it only took six months to wipe through it all or 12 months. It did last longer. But, you know, that old adage of once they see it kind of like athletes, you know, you get this lump sum of money and well, I can get this, I can get this. You think it's still going to keep coming because at 18, you think, man, I've been super blessed for a long period of time. I can just keep making this work. Well, hey, guess what? like an athlete, now you've taken that pool that was huge and you've super, 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 super narrowed it and you're no different than anybody else. You know, you're no longer the 16-year-old. Now you're the 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old and now you've really got to fight 
I mean, mm. fight because now you've got to provide for yourself more than likely. Then it didn't much matter. You went in there with no stress because you still had a roof over your head. You still had somebody taking you to an audition, somebody paying for your music lessons or whatever they are, and you didn't have to worry about it. You know, so my biggest thing is is trying to when I meet kids here who have talent, most of it's musical talent here in the Nashville area. It's changing some West, mm -hmm. you know, but I kind of tell them, I say, look, at the end of the day, when it comes to a lot of things, you need to be cautiously narcissistic. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, you need to think about how this is going to affect you, how you need to save for you, because there will be bad times. Mm -hmm. But don't be a jerk in the middle of all of it either. Like learn to, to communicate with humans. But you know, you still got to be prepared. Do you understand what it does when you take out that debit card and there's no more money? I mean, those are the conversations I'm having. Do you see, so were there scenarios where parents, even in, in let's say modern, in the modern era, where they, I guess, SAG, you're saying, is in, enforce this one third rule, mm. but you're saying that, that parents half the time are, are kind of take, just taking advantage of the money or maybe not even taking advantage, but they're just... They're just using that as their money. That happens, I would think, a lot. I would say it still happens more than you probably would want it to happen, yes. I mean, truth, you know, you and I were talking just a, a bit earlier. I mean, just like if you have kids that dance and do travel dance or cheerleading or any of those type of sports or they're really baseball. Yeah. Baseball, travel, baseball, yeah. spending quite a bit of money. But if you're going to, and again, in this current age, and especially now that we've gone through COVID, a lot of things have changed with Zooms and things like that. But you were still going out to L.A. for a while, six, five, six months during pilot season and living out there. More than likely, if you weren't already, your parents weren't already a one income family, they now are so that whether it's your mom, your dad, somebody is out there with you while you're doing it. So I think the initial thought process is if you get lucky, yeah, well, we're just paying for what mom or dad or aunt or uncle was doing would have made anyway yeah anyway but then like i think unfortunately when you when a kid starts making that much money you take 33 percent off the top and then they've got all this money left over i think unfortunately greed still gets into people's mindsets and it does happen or it's Again, I use the athlete because I think that's so much more prevalent is somebody says, oh, man, you've got an extra 50 K that you don't need or 100,000. Come invest into this widget Re restaurant. Yeah, whatever, you know, invest into this widget and we'll take your 100,000 and make it 500,000 in a period of time. And like you and I both know, I always say if it sounds too good, it might be too good. And I'm OK yeah. if you get to a point and it is like you said earlier. When you talk about millions and millions and millions of dollars, we'll use Britney, for example, just because Britney Spears, because she's so in the forefront of the whole free Britney movement, right, is you still have to have somebody or someone that kind of puts the brakes and says, all right, let's let's stop the process for a moment. Tell me about free Britney, because I don't know. I, I see it. I mean, I've seen clips about it and I. And I've been hearing rumblings for a couple of years about it, and now it feels as though it's really come to a head. Right. I would say if anybody that can comment on this, you, this you, what the hell happened there? Explain to our audience what the free Britney thing is and what happened and where should she go from here? So I, this is what I can tell you. I mean, I wasn't in her inner circle by any stretch of the imagination. I can just tell you. Yeah, as an outsider, yeah. as an outsider. 
what I can tell you is this. You start making that kind of money. I didn't make anywhere close to, you know, what I would just call funny money, play money in that in that situation where you're worth, you know, 80, 90, 100, 200 million dollars like she is. But before that happens, like when we were on the Mickey Mouse Club, there is still a chance where people think this kid can be really good. So I'm going to kind of latch on to this kid and help them out. And I think what happened with her is it got big quick, man. I mean, it just exploded. And then it's, you know, your name and likeness and all that kind of stuff, even before Twitter and TikTok and all the other stuff that we have today. And it just starts cranking and the money just starts coming in. And so she's a kid and there's never a no person. Nobody ever says no. They all say, yeah, we can do that for you, Brittany. We can do that for you, whoever. You know, and so for Brittany, it eventually got to a point. I don't know her parents, but I'm going to try and err on the side of just being vanilla. I think her dad wanted some extra cash, but I Mm -hmm. think her dad said, this is getting, you know, wild and she's dating Justin and we've got to put something together. Then the Justin Timberlake thing, you know, broke up. She meets Kevin Federline. She has a ridiculous amount of money. She starts having kids at a young age. And her dad's like, what the heck? We've right. got to kind of do something, put it all into a trust. Well, then we get into that conservatorship once she shaves her head and does all that. Do I think at that point, more than likely, from what I know and what people have told me, Wes, I do think there was some time in her life then that she was kind of not 100% thinking straight. Okay. And again, explain to our audience the conservatorship. So when does a conservatorship come into play? A conservatorship, at least in this situation, came into into play. Think of it almost as like if you've had an older parent who starts doing things with their money that they shouldn't because all of a sudden they've developed dementia or they've developed Alzheimer's or both, you know, both kind of running at the same thing. You kind of become the controller of that person's finances. Well, in Brittany's case, it's crazy, Wes. It, it looks like it's the controller of life for her in the sense of you can't do this. You can't buy this. You can't have money for this pick. You know, they were almost controlling what doctor she was going to. They really pulled a full belt around her life. Uh, now that is in the conser- in- again, a conservatorship document can be written by an attorney and mm-hmm. then, and then stamp. It has to be stamped by appro- approval of a court. Correct. Yes. So you can you can you can draft a conservatorship in a, I guess a couple of different ways, but it can be an ultra restrictive one. And then as long <laughs> as the judge says yes, then that becomes a legal document. So that's kind of what happened then, I guess. So she made a hundred million. Let's so let me summarize. She made let's call it a hundred million bucks plus. Her she went in her father's eyes. Hey, kind of semi crazy, not fully able to make her own decisions with right. the kerosene of the money, and then. He drew up a conservatorship. The court said yes. And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden, he became the conservator legally of not just mm-hmm. one of her bank accounts, but like her, sounds like her likeness, her brand, her income, and everything. And that's what happened, right? Yes. That's the way I understand it. Um, and then the free, so the free a- Britney thing then is the, the public finally becoming aware of that and saying, like, this doesn't seem fair. You, can you, Correct. hey, dad, can't you let her out of this thing? Or and, and do you, where are we on that? Like, what's happening with that? So, 
it looks like even as of recently as maybe a week or two ago. So I apologize if I don't. Yeah, we're talking. The by the way, we're in August here. We're so we're mid August. Right. Right. Sorry. Yes. So probably the end of July, beginning maybe last week, which is the first week in August. I believe the judge denied her request to have her dad removed as the acting conservator of the conservatorship. And she has actually requested to keep a conservatorship in place, but more than likely, as you're aware, like in some trusts, have more of a corporate conservator, somebody who's not emotionally tied or family related to make those decisions, somebody that can kind of give her the, no, Brittany, you've spent X amount of money. We've said we were only going to do X amount of money. So you're done for the month or whatever that may be. Yeah, like a corporate trustee, like a Schwab trust. Got it. Okay. That is correct. So that is from what I understand as of right now, and I have a friend of mine who's very close to the situation that says that that is kind of where they are. And I guess, unfortunately for Brittany, she's got to go back to the drawing board to to try and convince the court again, like you said, because a judge stamped it years ago and they've opened it up to listen to it, I guess whatever the arguments are to drop her dad are working. not working. And we don't know what those conversations really are from the courtroom to to say why or why not. It seems pretty cut and dry for us uh, if, if you just follow you know, just the information we're given. But maybe there's something we just don't know. Wes. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen an interview with her. Has there been any interviews? I mean, again, I, I guess the reason we're on this, by the way, so my Retire Sooner podcast audience is saying, Wes, why the hell are we talking about <laughs> free Britney? Well, it's because th- this is a fascinating topic of young kids becoming stars, making millions of dollars. And they can, yes. they can turn out in, they can turn out great. They can turn out where they had a responsible upbringing or they can end up making all the money in the world and still not be able to access it, which is what happened with, yes. with, with, with this situation. So it's just yeah. a fascinating conundrum. Really. It's kind of, it's really a shame. I mean, it's, you would think that it's really a shame. Yeah. What would you do if you are, were Taylor Swift's dad and she were 10 and you were thinking, <laughs> wait a minute, she might be really good someday. Right. No. So it's funny you say that. So I have my oldest son who's 17 has an agent now and doing acting and things like that. And my wife and I've had this conversation. I told her and that he's really, really focused. Like it seems like Taylor Swift was focused. Mm -hmm. Right. But I mean, I would make sure that there is I would split it. I would make sure that there's a trust set up. okay, for a portion of that money. And in Taylor Swift's case, because she's a singer-songwriter, as far as I know, like ASCAP and BMI, which are the unions for writers, mm-hmm. the writers' unions, okay, I don't believe that they have anything set up like SAG does. But I would still set up a trust for a portion of it. And probably in that situation, Wes, I would do almost 50% mm-hmm. and say, hey, look, this is what we want to do. We want to set up this 50% because we just don't know where this is going to take you. And if you get blessed with that type of meteoric rise in popularity, you know, your mom and I are going to set it up at 18, 21. You know, I'm going to do more of a stretch type trust and set it up to where you're going to get portions of your money as you get older so that 
if it all hits at one time and then it just stops, you get, God forbid, you lose your voice or you get nodules and you can never sing again or whatever that may be. I mean, I might set up something. I don't want to necessarily say a lifetime trust because I think it depends on the kid, but maybe something where it stretches it out and almost gives them you know, different dollar amounts as he gets older. But then I'd also allow him to still be a kid and say, look, if you want to buy a car that we agree upon when you're 16, because you've hustled from 10 to 16 doing what it is, your mom and I aren't going to say no. You worked yeah, for that yeah. money. And this kind of goes back to, Jason, this kind of goes back to when are kids financially grownups, right? And, and there's no perfect answer here. <laughs> But it's cert- probably not 18, right? So if, if you if you have this this reservoir that builds at 18, all of a sudden you you're 18 and you have seven million dollars in a trust. That's very different than saying, well, the big the, the, you're going to get a little bit of this, but then you're going to also be able to get a portion at 25 and at 30 and 35, et cetera. Right. Because I I think pe- kids are mm. grown financially grown up and not going to change anymore in their work ethic by the time they're 35, maybe, maybe even 30. No, I agree. If we're talking averages, Wes, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think out of my three kids, it's different for each of them. And we've talked mm-hmm. about money, not in a bad way, but we've talked about this is why we do things that we do in our house, or this is why we don't do things that we do. Here's why mom and I've made this decision. Here's why we think you should have money set aside. You know, for us, that's the way we've done it. But each of those, each of the kids... I, I would set it up differently, or I think they may become, as you said, financially mature in different times. I was definitely financially mature faster than my younger sister, who's just, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest of three. Uh, and I think it's just because of what I had to do and what my dad forced me to do. And, not, and I don't mean force in a bad way. I just mean he said, you got to learn how to do this at 14 and 15. So, But I, I don't disagree with you, especially if you're talking – you know, well into this, you know, seven figures, eight figures of stuff like that. Absolutely. It should be spread out or you just have a lot of different problems that arise almost too much money too soon. Yeah, correct. And, and especially if they're in the entertainment industry or if your child is blessed to be a great athlete of some sort, you can't really do a trust when they, you know, come straight out of college and they are drafted in the first round of whatever. But my point is they just you just never know what's going to happen. Mm. Well, so what is your advice then to your own kids? Or well, I, I guess are they uh, are your kids musical at all? Are they in the music business at all or no? Not in the music business. So my seventeen year old Oh, he's has, the actor. Is, he's an actor. Yeah. Action. He does musical theater like at the school and some of the things around Franklin here. And and I tell everybody, as an actor, he's much better than I was at sixteen and seventeen. Mm. He just he's got a, he's got great timing. Uh, mm-hmm. So we kind of push him towards that direction to go. I, you know, I kind of tell him, you know, if you because obviously we're looking at schools, Wes, because he's a rising. You know, he's just started his 11th grade year uh, last Friday here in the Nashville area. And so we've kind of said, you know, as you look at schools, figure out where it is you want to go. If you want to still do this theater thing. I'm all where your mom and I are 100% behind you, but there's a lot of schools that you can learn to do something else that you like while still doing the theater thing. It doesn't, the one thing about that creative side of stuff, in my opinion, from my experience, is if you're in the right place, especially in this day and age where it doesn't matter that you're in either LA or New York like it used to be when I was doing it, 
you can learn to do other things that you enjoy doing while doing this other part of your life, but work, work towards that other part. If you want to do theater, then you need to work hard at it while working hard at something else. Just in case I'm always about the, just in case something doesn't go your way in a very subjective business. Yeah. Parallel tracks is what you're doing. So you've got a, yeah. you've got two really good solid plans. Both can work and you got to do that as a dad and, right. and, a, and a father. Yeah. As a parent. Sure. It's one in a million that a little kid becomes a huge pop star or an actor and makes millions of dollars. But the concept applies to anybody who ends up coming into lots of money really quickly particularly at a young age. So I love how Jason walks us through his own experience and how really anyone who's young and comes into money needs to think about preserving that money over a lifetime. Now, uh, I'm happy to report that just the day after recording this interview was announced that Britney Spears, her father is stepping back as her conservator. Now, we'll see where this goes from here. And hopefully, the new people she's working with have her best interest at heart. And hopefully, by spreading more information like what you just heard, we'll avoid the need for any future free Britney-like movements. Hey, y'all. This is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information.